For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, as always, Shane Told, taking you into the backstage conversations that I have with other lead singers about what it's like to do the thing. And oh, we got a good one today, man. I talked to a real rock star, a veteran, Nick Hexum of 311, been doing it for almost 30 years. What an incredible career and really not a typical career. They came out swinging. They had huge hits out of the gate, but they've turned that into an absolutely amazing cult following. We talk about their consistency that they've managed to have headlining amphitheaters, doing cruises, having 311 day, all this stuff that they do all the time. And this was a very, very cool conversation. Thank you for taking time out of your very busy, I'm sure, schedule. I don't know what you're up to. Maybe you're working. Maybe you're sitting around like me. Regardless, I hope you are staying safe, doing the proper social distancing And maybe, just maybe, we're starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know. I don't know. I'm being optimistic. Anyway, hey, remember, you can always get in touch with me if you're bored. Write me an email. I'm bored. I will read it. Leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read everything. You can also add me on social media. It is at Shane Told, and you can add the podcast at Syndrome on Instagram or at Lead Singer Sin, S-Y-N, on Twitter. And we are on Facebook. Yes, 
Facebook still a thing. In fact, I want to thank everyone who tuned in to my live stream that I did on the Silverstein Facebook last week. It was awesome. We had like, I don't know, 7,000 people uh, watching me just in my living room playing a bunch of Silverstein tunes. That was really, really rad and um, fun, you know? It's, it's weird to like be in my living room playing songs like I do all the time, but typically I'm just like fucking around. I don't really care. I'm not trying to do it well, you know? I'm, I'm sometimes changing the words to like dick and fart jokes. Like I have to stop myself and be like, oh yeah, that little tiny thing on the computer is a camera and thousands of people are watching me. So I better, you know, do my best. So thank you everybody that tuned in for that. I hope I can do lots more live streams. I do do live streams pretty regularly and members of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club will know that. What is the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club, you ask? Well, if you've listened to all 219 of these things and you want more and you want more interaction with me, you want to be part of an amazing community of like-minded people and fans of the show all over the world and you want to get some stuff shipped to you, It is what helps keep this thing going week after week, even during the apocalypse. That's right. That's the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. For as little as $6 a month, you can sign up. And it's really, really great. It's really, really fun. I assure you of it. So check it out, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. That's the link. And that will get you in. In other news with me, well, I'm making some great soup. Um, yeah, I've made about eight or nine different soups and I'm feeling really, really good about my soup game. Yes, that's what this has come to. I don't know. Maybe I'll start another podcast about soup. Hey, if you want soup recipes, send me an email. Anyway, here's my conversation with Nick Hexum of 311. Hey, Nick. What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> well, uh, you know, probably about the same as everybody else on the planet, you know? Total chaos, yeah. <laughs> right? Like I, almost, like, I almost need to say, usually when I do these things, I don't give people listening, like, a context of a date. You know what I mean? Like, who, who cares, it's, really? It is fairly germane right now. <laughs> but it needs, like, it's, so it's March 18th today, which is important because who knows where we're going to be tomorrow uh the next day a week from now you know like it's 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 wild out there yeah so what are you doing i mean i know you have a family you have kids um you you like got through the end of your dates right with the 311 day yeah it was just right down to the wire um you know we certainly didn't want to put anyone in in any kind of danger but people had already traveled from all over the uh, world really so it's like well we're already here so you know it's just a unique situation that um so yeah we we got to finish the shows and it added um what was already a 
crazy energy situation, just this heightened sense of energy. And I think more a, a community where everyone was like, right. wow, we get to be together now and maybe who knows when the next time is, you know, because it was starting to come out at the same time, like concerts are shutting down, gatherings of all kinds are shutting down. So we kind of had like one last hurrah. Exactly. Um, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's it, you're right. Especially doing the shows in Las Vegas. Like all those people have traveled. I mean, sure, there's people from Las Vegas, but not that many. Probably less than half the people there, I'd say. Um, so, you know, those, those yeah. people are, are going to be out in a hotel on the strip, like in casinos, whatever. Like they're still going to be in a you know, a, a non self distancing environment, uh, regardless. So, but, but it's, you know, the time frame too, people have to remember, like, this is, this is like a hundred years ago, which is AKA last week. Um, <laughs> right. Like everything has changed. Yeah. So like my, yeah. my band, we were on tour as well. We had to postpone the whole thing and, you know, we had last show was on Wednesday and then we had Thursday off and literally that Thursday, just watching everything evolve, like in the morning being like, yeah, we'll probably get through the weekend, maybe even through next week. Uh, but I don't know about California into like, no, shut it all down like right now. And, and you know, cancel the canceling well, postponing the rest and going back up north instead of heading down to play on Friday. And it seems like Friday was like the last time anyone really played his show. And that happened to be the yeah. the land the end of your run, which is that's that's some luck right there. <laughs> it uh, we just so under the wire and hearing from all these other bands like yours, like shows canceled and stuff. So now we just hunker down and taking care of family, um, homeschooling, yeah, cook, cooking, making sure we have the right amount. You know, have food, but don't. <laughs> overbuy to right. you know, cause other people shortages so well yeah um, with three with three you have three girls right yeah your toilet paper is stocked up i hope yeah that we're good on <laughs> because because my sister uh she's got three she lives in las vegas she has three kids as well and she's run out and she's like this is cr- i don't know what to do i'm like you gotta have to ask the neighbors i don't know like you're gonna have to barter some other paper product or so i don't know what you do in this day and age it's the weirdest thing Right, like I'll be fine. It's just me and my girlfriend. We'll fuck. We'll have to take a shower after we take shits or whatever. I mean, we'll make it work if we run out. But if you have a family with kids, like it's actually a real problem. Yeah. Damn, dude. Anyway, man. So, um, so yeah, you're hunkering down. You're, um, I mean, I assume you're so prolific. I mean, with your music, uh, so many albums over so many years. Does this give you some time to maybe come up with a 14th 311 album i mean it's certainly given me a lot to think about and mm-hmm. and um songwriting is processing you know um saying what needs right. to be said and so um i think some stuff will come out of it and just the perspective of okay what's really important here like we've got our loved ones and our relationships and it's a it's a reset like, okay, yeah, on the short term we need toilet paper, but big <laughs> picture, what do we really need? And that's like to make sure that our loved ones are okay and getting down to this super sort of basic um, human species level. Uh, it's, it's quite intense. Lots to think about and definitely lots will come out in the songwriting 
eventually. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's hard to know really what to do. I mean, that's that's the key. I mean, you guys have, um, you know, what is this like going to be your twenty first year in a row, uh, headlining sheds um, in the summer, right? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a staple for you. Um, you do that every year. I mean, that's like clockwork. You know, it's kind of like your work slash vacation slash your whatever, right? And there's mm-hmm. a chance that could not happen. Yeah. Last summer we took off was 1998. We've toured every summer since then. Wow. Um, and we're looking forward to having a 30, 30th anniversary tour. So how that's oh, right, going to look, yes. we'll see. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I saw you were, you were going to do 50, 50 dates in 50 states. Yeah. Uh, have you done all 50 states before? I assume probably. We have. We finally played Alaska and finished out the list about eight years ago. Um, but oh, okay. now to do it in one year, um, all 50 states is going to be a task. <laughs> yeah, gonna, I mean. It requires some creative rescheduling probably because everything is shuttered. Yes. I mean, that's insane. Uh, yeah. And that's hard enough to pull off. Like I'm sure when you came, when you went to your agent and you were like, Hey, so we want to do this. Your agent was like, Oh God, really? Like <laughs> you have to play New Hampshire. Like Massachusetts is going to be better. Just play there. You know, no yeah, offense to anybody enough. listening from New Hampshire. Right. Like, um, cause my band still hasn't done all 50. We, we, uh, the two were missing, which are kind of strange. I think we've never played New Hampshire ever. 20 years and we've never played Mississippi. So we've played all the other ones, but, uh, and every time we, we hit up our agent, we're like, Hey, can we maybe just play New Hampshire? They're like, come on the show, you know, show in Massachusetts will be better. Show in Connecticut will be better. We're like, okay, fine. You win. Yeah. So my apologies to, to those people having to drive every single time. Um, so, Oh, Oh, I had a question real quick that I, I almost forgot about. Is it true that you own an island? No, that was um, back before I had a family. And yes, I did have a really cool Oh, you did own an island? Keys long time oh, ago. Oh, cool. Right. No, it's. I just thought of that because I remember hearing that like years ago and it was kind of before you could fact check stuff on the internet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, is that true? Like that sounds like he's got a private island. Wow. And now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, man, that would be probably a pretty good place for viral control um if you you know if you were so hide inclined. out and just live on snapper and stuff that i catch off the dock that would, <laughs> yeah. that would be cool but no i'm i'm home in in la and Topanga. yeah <laughs> that's funny um cool well um so can we go back and talk about some of the old days um i don't know some some artists love talking about it some artists don't but you know you have such a cool beginning being from a place that is not known for, you know, a high output of rock bands, of music. Um, but you guys started out with this indie sensibility, which in the 80s was not super common yet. Like the indie label, um, you know, thing that happened in the 90s, it, it kind of hadn't happened yet. Yeah. But you really took it upon yourself to kind of start there with, you know, putting out your own music and making a name for yourself. Yeah. We were um, inspired by the, the 
groundbreaking people like you know sub pop records and you know our right. first gig was opening for fugazi and they of course are like a total cottage industry <laughs> that just do everything themselves like wow is that um, true fugazi fugazi was the intro of this podcast for 100 episodes actually amazing, amazing. now it's bad brains but but uh but yeah um that's insane i had no idea it was your first show was with fugazi yeah it was such a <laughs> oh my lucky goodness. thing that pina our <laughs> bass player heard about hey they're looking for opening punkish bands for um when they, they play Sokol hall which is this rundown awesome old hall that's still there today we play there again um on our yeah. 25 year anniversary and um yeah it was our, our first gig but we were just realize you know we just need to get a recording of our music get it to cassette sell the tapes at on consignment at record stores sell the tapes at shows and then those songs basically became hits in our people our our local fans minds and they shared it with everybody right. else and and then our shows got bigger and bigger and um but yeah there was a bit of a oh that band's from omaha they can't be cool because everything cool at that time was from the coast or whatever but um yeah. we just knew we had something special and stuck to it and then you know certain cities kind of become a scene like you know minneapolis or um and then omaha did become more of a scene after after our band but yeah we were kind of treading uncharted territory from then but you know we've we've enjoyed living on the coast for so you know moving to la but yeah uh, we didn't need to. You you don't have to move anywhere to make it. You just gotta start working on building a fan base. Especially, especially not now. You don't have to move. And the idea of we've talked about it on this podcast a little bit, but the idea of a scene, the idea of areas. You know, you used to be able to listen to a band and be like, oh, like that's a that's a band from Southern California, or that's a band from New York City. You know, like the New York bands were heavier. The the California bands were maybe you know. Maybe there was ska in their music or reggae or it was, you know, like more in major keys. That's gone now. I mean, there's there's usually the bands are just from Ohio or something, um, typically. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So the idea of music spreading, you know, with cassettes and people copying cassettes off each other, it's so hard for people now in this. I call it the digital age, but it's it's so beyond that for people to understand, you know, like copying literally analog tapes, dubbing them uh, at high speeds or, or some people didn't even have that technology. So they had to do it at, you know, um, real time speeds. Isn't it crazy to think that how much harder it was for you at the time? Um, why do you think it was, you know, you were able to get that success? Is it just because no one else was doing it? Um, I guess we were just relentless. Right. You got to keep getting up each day and, you know, thinking like, all right, what can I do to further the goal? Um, and usually it's booking shows and making new music and, but yeah, you got to definitely be relentless and and not rely on some manager or someone else to do it for you. Right. Well, you're still relentless. That's, I mean, uh, that's a great word for your band. I mean, you guys have not stopped. You mentioned your last summer off was 1998. I mean, we talk about the amphitheater tours, uh, the cruises, uh, all the other stuff that you've done. And 
one thing now that you've created is this insane cult following. Um, you know, whether your music is selling a ton, whether it's getting played on the radio at any given moment or it's not, whether they're supporting it or not, you still have this core group of fans, which is, I mean, pretty, I don't want to say unheard of because there are a lot of bands that have great fan bases, but for you to be cemented yourself as this uh, entity, you know, in so many people's minds, that's always there. That's a pretty special thing. Oh, yeah. It's um, a few years, a couple of years ago when we put out Mosaic, they, um, one of the big publications said that we're one of America's biggest cult bands. And I was like, God, we kind of are. That's pretty, it's a, it's a nice category to be in because it means you just kind of do your own thing and have your own little microcosm. And right. we want to keep doing that rather than trying to participate in someone else's scene. We just kind of have our own happy cult, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could, you could argue or people could argue that you always have, you know, been your own scene, your own band. No one really sounds like you. Um, you know, y- you've pretty much made music with no rules for 30 years. Yeah. We, we got a thrill out of, breaking down barriers and making new combinations that hadn't been done yeah. before. So, so what's your background? I mean, to, to jump around a little bit, I mean, you're from the middle of the country Were your parents, uh, musicians, did you have brothers and sisters? Like what were you listening to that kind of created all these influences in your head that, you know, churns out three eleven songs? Um, Well, I started piano when I was five, and my parents were both decent amateur musicians. My mom more than my dad. My mom had a cool jazz band um, in college where she would play at big dances and stuff like that. Um, You know, just singing the kind of standards of the time. So she, you know, I I got a lot from, from her, but more just being music fans of putting on a Ray Charles album or and just having music as kind of part of our like on Saturdays when they'd clean the house and we'd crank up fifties music. Like that was just, it was just a source of joy. And, um, and I was just attracted to the rebellion of, of rock and roll. And I think that I was, I was just hooked and (laughs) I didn't really, um, it was more of a cell. I mean, I, yeah, I took piano lessons, but it really took off when I was 13 and I got my first guitar and then I just started being able to figure out songs by um, putting on, on records. And I had a guitar teacher who was very self-taught. He was like, just listen, see, doesn't this is a C chord. And I, oh, okay. And just sounding stuff out and then just right. doing covers. Like me and Tim, our guitarist, had a cover band in high school where we were playing all the what were college rock hits at the time, which were bands like REM and the cure and, um, dismiss and, and pretty like underground stuff that they didn't play on the radio that the, that the cool kids knew, knew about in, you know, right. mid eighties Omaha. And then I heard more of this kind of hybrid music, which is like when I heard the chili peppers and Jane's addiction and fifth and fishbone and Faith No right. More and these different bands that were just having 
punk rock intensity, but also good musicianship and writing good songs. And it was, I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's where I want to go. That, that's for me. And, um, and then just getting lucky and having the band members that I encountered who became my biggest influences. You know what I mean? Like people say, who are your influences? Well, the guys in my band that those are, <laughs> those are my influences. It, it, yes. Whether you like it or well, not, and, they and have you've, to be, you know, <laughs> well, unfortunately you've, you've I was kept together. You know, glad. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Unfortunately I was, you know, with luck and some super talented creative guys that I had known from, the high school days in Omaha and cause I had floundered around in LA trying to get a band going and it, it just wasn't the same as a band from with my, with my homies, you know? So, yeah. Um, it worked out really nicely. I'm super grateful because it could have gone in many different ways. So when did you go out to LA and try to, you know, do that? I picture, you know, it's like something out of a movie where that kid from the Midwest shows oh, up yeah. in LA, you know, like, that, like, oh, that guy's got a mohawk. What's that guy's got a pier? That girl's oh, got totally. a crazy pierce, you know, like in the, in whatever year that was. How, how, how did that all happen? Yeah, it was 1988 and I graduated early from high school and I remember my guidance counselors, I was like, I, I need to graduate so I can go get going on my music career. I was like, no, I don't think it's a good idea. And I was like, I was like, oh, technically, can you stop me? He was like, no. Okay. So I, <laughs> I took one like summer school math class so I could be done with my credits. And and I was 17, um, about to turn 18, and I just moved out to L.A. by myself. And I thought, well, downtown L.A. must be where all the action is because downtown is the cool <laughs> part. And it was at that point in 1988, L.A. was – downtown was a ghost town. So um, right. I quickly relocated to – work right by the guitar center in Hollywood on sunset Boulevard and, and just getting into the real musician scene. And I learned a lot and got to meet some of my heroes as, cause I was working at the biggest, hottest music store. And, and so right. getting to like meet like Stevie wonder and the guys from wow. Chili peppers and Jane, Jane's addiction and guns and roses would come in there and buy it. And I was like, okay, wow, this is, um, you know, the, this is the epicenter of, of what's going on right now, but I just didn't really find the right musicians to click with. And then, um, so kind of reorganized, went back to Omaha and started 311 and built it up through, right. through grassroots means. So it was some kind of a crash course you had over there, um, that I'm sure you'd learned so much. That's the thing too. Like it's, it's always hard to compare even for me. Like I'm, I mean, I would have only been seven years old in 19, uh, 88, but I still, you know, I'm old enough to remember recording music on tape and rewind, waiting it for it to rewind, rewind between takes and, you know, stuff like that, that people take for granted now. But what people take for granted now is like, sure, you can probably do a couple internet searches and figure out where to live in LA. But in 1988, how are you going to fucking know where to go? <laughs> no. I would have done the same thing. I don't know. Downtown. Sure. Yeah. Like it's and then, cheap. And Let's then get an apartment here, there. And you got to use a Thomas guide, which is like this huge book to find any address. <laughs> and uh, it was yeah. crazy. And also just in touring in the 90s when we would have like a, a road atlas to figure out where to go to the next yeah. city. Um, and, you know, we would have – I would be driving the RV and like Tim would be navigating, say – turn left here. And it was just crazy how that we 
got it done. You know what I mean? I know. I know. It's like you forget, but it is, it is funny. Yeah. When like, there were times when you, you missed 75 and you got on 94 and you drove it like, you know, two hours the wrong way. And you're like, shit, we're going to be, we're going to be late for load in. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I know. I know. Or like the idea of pulling, like we used to pull the van over to get to like, use a payphone to call our record label collect to connect with like an interview we had to do. And then we're just at the side of the road for like 30 minutes while I, you know, I did an interview or something like that stuff is so crazy to think about. Oh yeah. Standing around at payphones and always having that calling card that you had everything memorized. So you, you could dial it yourself, but it, it you know, yeah. it's like 32 <laughs> numbers in a row to make a phone call. <laughs> it's so true. I, I remember the first time I saw a band, it was a band opening for us and they had a GPS. I don't know what year this would have been, maybe like 2004 or something. And it blew my fucking mind. Like, like what? How does it know where you are? Like, it's, I still don't get how it knows where you are. Yeah. These things didn't have internet. They just plugged into the, the cigarette lighter. Yeah. It was crazy. Man, that's crazy. Did you, so when you worked at Guitar Center um, in LA and you met, all these people, Stevie Wonder and Guns N' Roses and whoever else you talked about. Did you ever run into those guys like 15 years later and say, hey, uh, do you remember that kid you bought that Les Paul from? Uh, like, did that ever happen? Um, I think when I recorded with Flea um, on the working with Joe Strummer, I, I I told him that story. I was like, you may not remember this, but I met you back at Guitar Center when I was working there. He was super nice. I don't think you remember it, though. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, that might not be your fault. I mean, I read Anthony Kiedis' book, and it seemed like they were pretty fucked up. They were wild. For decades. They were wild. Yeah, they were wild. That's crazy. So you so to finish the, the kind of the history a little bit, so you, you go back to Omaha, you get back with your buds, um, and you know I guess you start... Make, making tapes and you end up getting signed um and then you know it's it's time to put out the debut record uh what was that like um well oh god just the excitement of getting to record in a big studio because we did our first um recordings at cherokee studio on fairfax and they were and they're like you guys remember the Michael Jackson, don't stop till you get enough drum sound. It was recorded in this room. We were like, no way. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I, I a debut album is kind of like a greatest hits of all your ideas from your teenage years and yeah. everything. So that's why a lot of yeah. debuts are really good. And um, we just couldn't wait for people to hear it. It was, we were lucky that we, even though at first we did start out in true grassroots means those first two years, we were just selling tapes and then we finally got to go to CD and stuff like that. But, um, you know, landing a deal made it all so much easier. So, um, we can talk about down for a minute. I mean, obviously that was your, the first track on the the first record. It was the breakthrough hit. I was actually Um, not the first. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. But your, 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 I mean, your breakthrough hit, like on your, yeah. uh, your first major label album. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I know, I know, I know the history. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that being the breakthrough record and that song, but it wasn't the first single released. Um, Third did single. you guys think that was, 
exactly. Did you guys think, or did the label think that that was going to be the song um, that was going to be the one? No. And that, especially and I kept, all these I years later. Them, I kept telling telling them down is the one. They're like, oh, we want to go with don't stay home first. And then they went mm-hmm. with all mixed up. And then finally we talked them into going with down third. And then that what got like a buzz clip on MTV, which is at, at the time yeah. it's like, this is what everyone's talking about. And then um, things just really took off. Like the show's changed so much where, I mean, we already had a young fan base, but then it got really young. And hmm. um, yeah, it was it was an exciting time just to be like the, the chanting and everything like before we got even on stage, the amount of intensity, like people starting a mosh pit before we even got on there even just to like the walk-on music we'd have some bob marley playing and like they're moshing because they're just so <laughs> fucking excited for you to come out there uh, yeah i love i love that i remember one time i saw like no effects when i was you know, maybe like 14 or 15 and every, you know i'm in the front row and uh and the drum tech comes out to like check the drums and he does like you know the no effects like really fast punk beat yeah. like the double time punk beat and he just plays that for like i don't know 15 seconds and there's a circle pit people are going around it's like <laughs> they're like there's our I cue. love <laughs> right that beat's coming i know it's coming we're going to hear that for the next 45 minutes uh yeah it's it's funny how that i love that story you know um being with the same guys in your band for so many years um you know I, I'm sure you get asked all the time, oh, what's your secret or whatever. I'm I'm not as interested in that as interested in just the fact that you were li- literally kids, you know, that weren't able to drink and, you know, you've grown up together and now you're adults with families and, and everything else. That's kind of a wild ride. Oh, yeah. You ever think about that? Oh, yeah. To go from no responsibility and at all to like, okay, now this is a big thing. Like we've got a lot of employees and people counting on us. And, and then of course the next level of to have a family and, um, it it is totally different than it was. I mean, it was kind of a nonstop party in those first few years. And we're like, okay, now I was like, I better wait to smoke weed and drink until after the shows, because this is, this is important. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay okay so you you guys had i mean it seems like you've got a pretty good head on your shoulders um you know and some good work work ethic that you seemingly have always had um is that something that you guys have always had with each other i mean it seems like you guys have been pretty i don't know the word i mean you guys have never been in any trouble i mean you know i i don't never heard of anyone in your band going to rehab or anything like that it seems like you guys have a really great support system for one another yeah i think it it, we keep a family vibe going um you know it's 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 a extended family it's a brotherhood and then now having our kids be friends and wives and stuff like that it's pretty uh it's a special vibe, but you know, everybody kind of needs to have a, a community and ours has been luckily that it's kind of both what we do for a living and for, for friendship and for fun is all kind of the same thing. We're super, super lucky and thinking about that kind of stuff a lot as we hit 30 years. Hmm. Yeah. Jeez, 30 years. Uh, you know, you, you talk about smoking weed there for a second and 
your band has always been huge marijuana enthusiasts, supporters. How have you seen that evolve so much from that probably that take being so controversial when you started to now it being legal for I, I assume a majority of the US population? Um, how's that been, that transition? Have you noticed anything? Um Yeah, it's I mean, I think at one point people were associating that with us so much that we started to get kind of like uh, shy away from it just a tiny bit. Cause it's like, well, that's, right. that's not all we do is smoke weed. We're, <laughs> we're putting lots of thought into what we're, what we're doing here. Um, but then, yeah, now to see that the culture has become accepted and, you know, I, I guess at the time I was like, really into the injustice of why why are these people being locked up for something that's safer than alcohol why you know it was something we we did talk about and we were risking kind of a lot we had to you know get out of some dicey situations here and there but um you know luckily nothing really especially with a young especially with a young fan base right yeah like you talked about yeah now it's cool to be able to make our own cannabis products and you know i'm very into sourcing really good cbd for um first started out for my mom who was went through a cancer treatment and then now to have those available um through mail order to and for like pets cbd it's 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 nice to be able to have something we were always into be legal and accepted and people acknowledge like okay this shouldn't we shouldn't be locking up people for this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Um, I want to ask you about a couple more songs, if you don't mind. Uh, one of my personal favorites uh, is a song from 2005 called Don't Tread on Me. And I have literally had that song stuck in my head for 15 years. <laughs> I, I swear, man. I uh, We were out recording a record in, in California, and I think K-Rock was playing the track like right when it came out. I think it was 2005. And I just heard that song on the radio. And I swear, I'll just wake up some days and I'll just have that song in my head. Um, I'm surpri- I mean, I know that was a you know, big song at the time. I mean, it's not in your top 10 on Spotify or anything, but I still think it's one of your best songs. How do you feel about that song? Um, good. We played it at 311 Day last week. Um, cool. But... It, it isn't in our rotation um, heavily. I don't know why, but I I think I do have mixed feelings about it because it was it sounds kind of defensive, but that's where, how I was feeling at the time. Like, right? You know, don't judge me. Look at your own shit. So that that type of sentiment that's in there. It's not like what I would like on my tombstone or anything, but it was, uh, you know, at the time it was, there was a lot of division going on in the world and, um, you know, post nine 11. Um, it was just, it was just a crazy time. And, uh, I was kind of just reacting to all the division, but yeah, I, the chord progression, I think I, it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, 
a, a Billie Holiday song. Which one is escaping me right now? I can't put a finger on it. Okay. But it's just okay. like a very classic kind of chord progression to go from like C major to E major, that like major third instead of usually you go to the right. minor chord, and it just creates a sort of a, a classic timeless. Um, I mean, vibe. that could be why it's stuck in my head, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like when you go from the you're right when you have a C chord and then you go into the the E when you go from like a G to a G major note. Uh, uh, sorry, from a G to a G sharp, uh, you know, all of a sudden it's, a it's like, yeah, yeah, it's this like augment that you're like, what? Yeah. And maybe that's what it is that that grabs me so much. But I swear, like that song, I don't know what it is about it, man. Um, but going down the other song list, I've never done this before, but I I, I think this is cool to ask you some stuff. Um, what about the song "Beautiful Disaster"? <laughs> You know, um, you mentioned NoFX earlier. I was listening to a ton of NoFX at the time and also the band The Urge from St. Louis. Um, yeah. So if that's kind of – if you take those two influences um, – and I don't know – it's hard to put a finger on like what in Beautiful Disaster sounds like NoFX, but I just know that <laughs> I was listening to um, – was it punk and Drublick, I think was the album at the time yeah, a lot. Sure. And, um, and then also with the urge, they had these really cool long horn lines that would start each song. So I did that except on guitar with the, um, the dual lead harmonizing lead guitars that it was kind of like a, a horn arrangement except on distortion guitar. And I don't know. I think it was really painted a picture of some crazy relationship that I was in at the time with like somebody like, I'm fascinated by this chick, but I know I shouldn't be with her because she's a total train wreck. And I think we've all known people <laughs> like that. Um, sure. So it tells a story for sure. Uh, that record being your, well, your well, let's be let's be right here. It's your fourth album, right? But your, you know, your follow up to your smash hit album was there a lot of pressure? I mean, that was a big song. At a time, you probably needed a big song. Yeah, the, um, the truth is, and it, I know it's hard to think about when you're going back, but it, it is something we talk about too on the show. How, how that album is so important in a career. It, it was a um, pivotal time, and we reacted um, in an unusual way, which was that after the blue album or third album was all condensed as far as short, punchy, high energy songs. And then, and we we had some more experimental stuff, but those all went on the B sides that came out, like on our enlarged show detail <laughs> video. Right. Um, and then, so people were expecting something that was going to be like mosh pit ready, but we were like, "All right, let's go fucking weird on on transistor, <laughs> and just don't don't worry if it's going to be good live or not, and just go is in down." as esoteric of a rabbit hole as we can find. And we were, I was listening, we were all kind of into trip hop at the time, which was like massive attack and tricky and Portis head and these kind of yeah. dub influenced. Um, they also acid jazz was the thing they called it. Then. And it was just combining right, right. hip hop with different weird um, ingredients. So there's a lot of what I would call trip hop influence stuff on um, on their songs like prisoner that was definitely like i was just trying to get 
as dubby as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a couple rockers like the song. What was I thinking? This is just a balls to the wall kind of funk throwdown, but there's only a few. Um, I mean, it was, was it 21 song album and only a few of them were rockers. So we had a lot of, um, mellower stuff and at first it really did was not well received at all people thought were like what happened at 311 they used to rock um um, but then after a while people realized oh this is some there's some creativity gone into this and started to appreciate it so to go from it being now our most beloved album a lot of our fans picked that as their favorite but it was widely panned at the time hmm it's interesting how that happens. Yeah. Um, and I want to ask you about Amber, too, because that song has become such a huge song. I mean, crossover, you know, to a lot of different, uh, you know, radio and, and stuff. It gets played. Um, but it's a bit of a deep cut on the album. Did you know that one was going to be something special? Yeah, I felt um, it was the one that I was like, I still think Amber might be the one, you guys. Uh, and it was our third single. Um, <laughs> yeah, just again, like, again. Yeah. It's a, it's a pattern. Yeah. But now you know, we've said that before, but now you don't even get to a third single because the album cycles are so much faster and culture just moves on. It's basically first yeah. single and out, you know what I mean? But, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to make as mellow of tones as possible and have like the lyrics and all the audio tones that you're hearing just be as like soft and mellow like like the color amber the color of a sunset it's, yeah. it's softer on the on the prism scale like you know you can look at a sunset though but you can't look like at a blue light or something like that so <laughs> that's just kind of where i was going with it cool i love that i love that so much well man um i guess i'd ask you what's going on next you know what to tell the people but i guess there's just so much doubt right now i don't know if you have an answer yeah no i have no idea uh, so, so what are you, you're spending your days inside with the family and I assume your kids aren't going to school or anything? No. So we just kind of, that's all done. Split the day up with like learning time, outside play time, you know, family time movies, but it's, I, I just, in the morning I'll be like, how's my Corona buddy? Cause we're all like Corona buddies now. Just say, whoever you're hunkering down with, <laughs> that's your Corona buddy. So uh, we just got to enjoy it and take care of each other and, you know, be of service as far as like providing comfort for, for other people. Um, take care of ourselves yeah. as well as someone else, you know? Absolutely. Anything else I missed before I let you go? No, it was a fun conversation. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. Uh, are you are you guys planning on doing cruises anymore? Actually, that's one question I forgot. Yeah, because I know you skipped the last one, and I, no, I mean, obviously we, the cruise we, industry. Who knows what's going to happen? But true, but we're on it. Everything's been on schedule so far because we rotate one year, like even number of years like this is three oh, okay. three eleven day year, and odd number of years are cruise years, and we've been keeping that, that going that, for like the past ten years. So we're going to hopefully continue that. Yeah, I hope I hope you do. I hope we can, and I hope that. I hope this just kind of fades away and we forget about it. I don't think it's happening at this point, but I'm I'm gonna just be the king of wishful thinking there and uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna leave the people with a tune. Uh, my pick is uh, "Space and Time." How about that? You like that for a final track? Sounds great. Enjoy it. All right, man. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, all the best with everything, man. Same to you. Take care. 
just need to get space So I'll be taking my time We know he's missing time, come on now you know what I'm talking about The less you stress and excess, the best and no need to Shower with better boys, see that end When there's really no reason or no problem Come on, real talking when I ask rock, it's called vibing We got the space and time, baby, you know what I'm describing There's a space I'm looking for I grind all the time, 724 From 311, from the latest album, Voyager, that is space and time. I want to thank Nick so much for taking the time to speak with me. I'm really glad that they got those shows in before the planet melted down, and hopefully they aren't going to break this streak. What is it, 21 in a row? Oh my goodness, yes. So hopefully those shows go off this summer as well, and we can all get back out there. And we can play music with our friends because that's pretty much what guys like me and Nick, that's, that's all we know how to do. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. If you like the show, check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Tell a friend, tell a loved one. I got other really great guests to go back, listen to some old episodes if you got the time, which you just might. Well, I gotta play it, right? The song that was stuck in my head for literally 15 years? It's still in my head right now. That just, that melody, for some reason, just does not leave my head. So here it is. I'll leave you with one more. Don't Tread on Me by 311 on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next time. Turn that